This week's Drabblecast is brought to you by the storytelling role-playing game for kids, Happy Birthday Robot. Check them out at www.danielsolis.com forward slash happy birthday robot. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 164. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. There are some weird people out there. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but still, some people reinvent the word, and we like to tell you about them in a little segment called Drabble News. From the NationalPost.com. A Utah teenager was recently arrested for wrapping his order at a McDonald's drive-thru. Come on, Utah. Really? Really? The teenager, Spencer DeWalder, attempted to... Yo, 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 the name is Fitty Spence, son. You better recognize... Yo! Uh... The teenager, Fitty Spence, attempted to set his fast food order in the high art medium of spoken word poetry, set to heavily syncopated hardcore gangster-ass grooves, of course, and was told to order like a normal person or leave. Yo, they be trippin', son. This against my first commandment rights, motherfucker. Yo, yo, yo. During the ponderous two-hour trial on Tuesday, attorneys presented evidence including surveillance footage at the restaurant, cell phone recordings of the rap, testimony from the officer who cited them, and from McDonald's employees. The restaurant manager told police that as the teens drove away that night, DeWalder yelled to her, Fine, I hate this expletive McDonald's anyways. Yo, hold up, say what? A Jetson, your honor. I never called it a Mexican McDonald's. Prosecutors claimed that the teenager acted in an angry, threatening, tumultuous manner and sped recklessly out of the parking lot. DeWalder, however, denied using profanity. Nah, I use T-Mobile, your llama, before finally taking the stand. The court will now hear from the defendant, Mr. Spencer Fitty Spence DeWalder. Mr. DeWalder, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, Knight Rider? Yeah, I swear to tell the truth, I got nothing to hide. Your Honor, I've been denied my basic constipational right to freedom of speech. Big Mac with cheese and a diet Sprite. Cheese like me can't help themselves from busting rhymes. I want some fries, Order. Order in the court. Mr. Dewaller. Yo, that's my slave name. Ugh, Mr. Fitty Spence. Would you please refrain from obscene language in the courtroom and just state your defense in an everyday speaking fashion? Aight, aight. Yo, for real, I feel ya. So yeah, as I was saying, know what I'm saying? Yo, Arby's wasn't open and Checkers was closed, so shit was whack right off the bat and there was nowhere else to go with the exception of Chipotle. I'd be down with those fajitas, but repeatedly eating that makes me down with diarrhea. Then my homeboy Jeff was like, let's just get some nuggets. And despite my better judgment, I said, whatever, fuck it. We pulled into the drive-thru with my station wagon thump and told the shawty on the intercom, yo, I wanna order something.
order. Order in the court. Yo, for real? Aight, Dan. Y'all got nuggets? Yeah, yeah. The results of the trial? Spencer DeWalder was found not guilty of disorderly conduct after the judge ruled that singing or rapping for a fast food order is speech protected by both federal and Utah constipations. You show them, Utah. Yeah, boy. How about a drabble? Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's Drabble is called The Minor, and it comes to us from Travis Scott Greer. Travis is a writer living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He spends most of his time trying to convince his friends that robots will take over the job market and the world by replacing fast food cashiers. His friends refuse to believe him because they're frightened by his hair and his lack of an inside voice. Trav has a love of all things pulp, and he harbors deep suspicions that his dog, Mama Pug, is smarter than he is. I crashed on this crap asteroid hours ago. Guess I'm not important enough to save. Just a downed rock jockey, right? Screw you. You're recovering my body, so I'm letting you know that you're dying too. (laughs) Yep. Right now. Those little bits of gravel stuck to your boots right now? Hard to brush off? Turns out, that ain't gravel. Weird, silicate creatures. They're going for the platinum lining in your suit. Guess you moron should have checked my Emergicom first. Ah, trust me, you won't make it back to the ship. You should have enough time to record a message, though. I did. Our feature story this week is The Observer by Christine Catherine Rush. Miss Rush is an award-winning mystery, romance, science fiction, and fantasy writer. She's written many novels under various names, including Christine Grayson for romance and Chris Nelscott for mystery. Her novels have made the bestseller lists worldwide and have been published in 14 countries and 13 different languages. You recently heard her on the Drabblecast with her story What Fluffy Knew in episode 153 as the kickoff to Women Writing About Aliens Month in March. The story is read to you by the fantastic Sarah Tolbert, who you also recently heard in March, reading the story The Second Conquest of Earth by L.J. Daly, episode 155. So, without further ado, The Observer by Christine Catherine Rush. And so we went in. Combat formation. All five of us. Me first. Face masks on so tight that the edges of our eyes pulled. Suits like a second skin. Weapons in both hands. Backups attached to the wrists and forearms. Flashbangs on our hips. No shielding. No vehicles. No nothing. Just us. Dosed. Altered. Ready to go. I wanted to rip something's head off. And I did. The fury burning in me like lust. The weapons became tools. I wanted up close, and I got it. Fingers and eyes, fists around tentacles, poking, pulling, yanking. They bled brown, like soda, like 
coffee like weak tea. And they screamed. Or at least I think they did. Or maybe that was just me. The commanders pulled us out before we could turn on each other. Gave us calming drugs, put us back in our chambers for sleep. But we couldn't sleep. The adrenaline didn't stop. Neither did the fury. Monica banged her head against the wall until she crushed her own skull. Latrice shot up her entire chamber with a backup she'd hidden between her legs. She took out two MPs and both team members in the chambers beside her before the commanders filled the air with some kind of narcotic to wipe her out. And me. I kept ripping and gouging and pulling and yanking until my fingertips were bone. By then I hit the circuits inside the door and fried myself. And woke up here. Strapped down against a cold metal bed with no bedclothes. The walls are some kind of brushed steel. I can see my own reflection, blurry, pale-skinned, wild-eyed. I don't look like a woman, and I certainly don't look like me. And you well know, Doc, that if you unstrap me, I'll kill the thing reflected in that brushed metal wall after I finish with you. You ask how it feels, and you know you'll get an answer because of that chip you put in my head. I can feel it, you know, itching. If I close my eyes, I can picture it like a gnat floating in gray matter. Free my hands and I'll get it out myself. Free my hands and I'll get us all out of here. How does it feel? By it, I assume you mean me. I assume you mean whatever's left of me. Here's how it feels. There are three parts to me now. The old, remembered part, which doesn't have a voice, stands back and watches, appalled at everything that happens, everything I do. I can see her too, that remembered part, gangly young woman with athletic prowess and no money. She stands behind the rest of us, wearing the same clothes she wore to the recruiters that day. Pants with a permanent crease, her best blouse, long hair pulled away from her horsey face. There are dreams in her eyes, or there were then. Now they're cloudy, disillusioned, lost. If you'd just given her the money, let her get the education first, she'd be an officer, or an engineer, or a goddamn tech soldier. But you gave her that test. Biological predisposition, aggression, sensitivity to certain hormones. You gave her the test and found it wasn't just the physical that made her a good athlete. It wasn't just the physical. It was the aggression and the way that minute alterations enhanced it. Aggression, a strong predisposition, and extreme sensitivity, which after injections and genetic manipulation turned her into us. I'm the articulate one. I'm an observer, too. Someone who stores information and can process it faster than the fastest computer. I'm supposed to govern the reflexes. They gave me a blocker for that the minute I arrived back on ship. Then made it permanent when they got me to base. I can see, Doc. I can hear. I can even tell you what's going on and why. I just can't stop it. 
any more than you can. I know I said three, and yet I didn't mention the third. I couldn't think of her, not and think of the remembered one at the same time. I'm not supposed to feel, Doc, yet the remembered one, she makes me sad. The third, oh, yeah, the third. She's got control of the physical, but you know that. You see her every day. She's the one who raises the arms, who clenches the bandaged and useless fingers, who kicks at the restraints holding the feet. She's the one who growls and makes it impossible for me to talk to you. You know that, or you wouldn't have used the chip. An animal? She's not an animal. Animals create small societies. They have customs and instinctual habits. They live in prides or pods or tribes. She's a thing, inarticulate. Violent, useless. And by giving her control of the physical, you make the rest of us useless. Trapped inside, destined to watch until she works herself free. If she decides to bash her head against the wall until she crushes her own skull, or to rip through the steel, breaking every single bone she has. If she decides to impale herself on the bed frame, I'll cheer her on. Not just for me, but for the remembered one. The one with hopes and dreams and a future she squandered when she reached for the stars. The one who got us here, and who can't ever get us out. So you say I'm unusual. How nice for me. The ones who separate usually kill themselves before the MPs ever get into the chamber. The others, the ones who integrate with their thing, get reused. You think the women I trained with, the ones not in my unit, the ones who didn't die when we got back, you think they're still out there, fighting an enemy we don't entirely understand. I think you're naive, but you're preparing a study, something for the government so that they'll know that this experiment is failing. Not the chip in the brain thing that allows you to communicate with me, but the girl soldiers, the foot soldiers, the grunts on the ground. And if they listen, <laughs> they'll listen because of people like me, okay? I'll buy into your pipe dreams. Here's what everyone on Earth believes. We don't even know their names. We call them the others, but that's only for clarity purposes. There are names, squids, ETs, but none of them seem to stick. They have ships in much of the solar system, so we're told, but we're going to prevent them from getting to the moon. The moon is the last bastion before they reach Earth. That's about it. No one cares unless they have a kid up there, and even then, they don't really care unless the kid is a grunt like I was. Only they don't know the kid's a grunt. Not until the kid comes home from a tour. If the kid comes home. Here's what I learned in our ship. Most of the guys never came home. That's when the commander started the hormonal genetic thing, the thing that tapped into the maternal instinct. Apparently, the female of the species has a ferocious need to protect her young. It can be, it is, tapped. And in some of us, it's powerful. And we become strong. Mostly, though, no one gets near the ground. The battle is engaged in the blackness of space. It's like the video games our grandparents used, which some say, and I never believed them until now, were used to train the kids for some kind of future war. The kind we're fighting now. What I learned after a few tours, before I ever had to go to ground, was that ground troops, 
foot soldiers, rarely returned. They have specific missions, mostly clearing an area, and they do it, and they mostly die. A lot of us died that day. What I can remember of it. Mostly, I remember the fingers, and the eyes, and the tentacles. Yes, they're real. And the pull of the face mask against my skin. What I suspect is this. The troops the others have on the ground aren't the enemy. They're some kind of captured race, foot soldiers just like us, fodder for the war machine. I think if I concentrate real hard, I remember them working, putting chips places, implanting stuff in the ground, growing things. I'm not entirely clear. And I wonder if the talk of an invasion force is just that, talk, and if this isn't something else. Some kind of experiment in case we get into a real situation, something that'll become bigger. Because I don't ever remember the others fighting back. If squids can look surprised, these did. All of them. So that's my theory for what good it'll do. There's still girls dying up there. Women, I guess, creatures, foot soldiers, whatever they want to create. Then we come back and we become this, things, because we can't ever be the remembered ones, not again. But you know that. You're studying as many of us as you can, that's clear too. I'm not even sure you are a doc. Maybe you're a machine getting these thoughts, processing them using some modulated voice to ask the right questions, the ones that provoke these memories. Since I've never seen you, I never see anyone except the ghosts of myself. So what are you gonna do with me? Reintegration isn't possible, it's been tried. You think I don't remember? How do you think the remembered one and I split off in the first place? Once there was just her and the thing, now there's three of us trapped in here. Well, two trapped and one growling, but you know what I mean. Sending us back won't work. We might turn on our comrades, or ourself, probably ourself. Sending us home is out of the question, even if we had a home. The remembered one does, but she is so far away, she'll never reintegrate. Let me tell you what I think you should do. I think you should remove the chip, move me to a new location, pretend you've never interviewed me. Then you'd just be faced with the thing. And the thing should be put out of its misery. We should be put out of its misery. Monica and Latrice weren't wrong, Doc. They were just crude. They used what methods they had at their disposal. They were proactive. I can't be. You've got all three of us bound up here. Let us go. Send us back all by ourselves. No team, no combat formation. Hell, not even any weapons. Let us die. It's the only humane thing to do.
Oof, that was our story. Hope you were engaged by it. You can definitely draw some parallels to the story and, well, let's just say other things, but I'll refrain and let it sink in for you whatever way it's supposed to sink in. Let's talk about how an episode a few weeks ago sunk in for some of you with listener story feedback for Trifecta Special 12, which was episode 160, consisting of Never Forget Some Things by G.A. Simonis, which had a space monkey in it, Behind Eye, a history by Douglas Warwick, which had a skinless screaming lizard boy in it, and Sock Heroes by M. Thomas, which had sock sex in it. T. Baker from the forum said, Never Forget Some Things was an excellent story, helping raise awareness of prehensile tales. Pun intended. It was eclipsed only by Sock Heroes, which is one of the better stories I've heard in a while. With regards to Behind Eye, I was so glad to hear Cheyenne write back after his illness. What a great voice for the story. For Mr. Warwick, I mean this in the kindest way possible. Please seek medical attention. Listener Grant loved Behind Eye, saying, Behind Eye blew me away. That was the creepiest, weirdest piece of fiction I've ever heard. Awesome reading and music. Loved the other two as well. This was just a thumbs up all around. And Talia said, All three were awesome, but Sock Heroes was a personal favorite of mine. I mean, people take socks for granted. It's so easy to assume they're just these scraps of fabric we throw on our feet for a while to keep our shoes from getting smelly. This story reveals the truth. They're not just footwear. They are valiant beings who should be commended for their bravery in enduring the horrors of the washing machine time and time again. Thank you, Socks. You've really got soul. <laughs> you know who else has got soul? Our kick-ass donor of the week. <laughs> Colin Curry. Colin lives in Nebraska, and he's an engineer at a nuclear power plant. In his free time, he enjoys photography and running. His ultimate goal is to transfer his intelligence into a non-biological entity and live forever. You know what, Colin? Just keep following your heart and believing in yourself. Or kill two birds with one stone and believe in your heart. Either way, it beats actually having to work. Colin says, thanks for all the hard work we do in the Drabblecast. He says we've taught him more about man-eating beasts than he ever thought possible, and that's something to be proud of. No problem, buddy. And thank you for donating and helping our non-biological entity live forever. Or at least another week. Folks at home, you should know how critical your financial support is to this show. Ain't no paid staff here, no shareholders, no company car. If you donate a dollar to the Drabblecast, it ends up paying a talented person for his or her story, his or her narration, his or her music, etc. Creativity is an especially cool thing to support and fork over for. We've got a $10 a month automatic subscription option, 5 bucks a month, and a one-time donation option. All big garish buttons you can find off of our webpage, www.drabblecast.org. We appreciate anything you can give. So, enough panhandling. Let's get to our 100-character TwitFic winner this week. From the Drabblecast forums, Chris Monroe, better known as Muncie, takes it down this week with this little story. Werewolf! He screamed. There, behind you, I replied. I think if we hadn't been promptly killed, he'd have laughed. <laughs> Yep, 100-character stories are the best, and we've got hundreds of them on our forums, linked off of our main page. Write one yourself, drop by and post it, see what folks think. Maybe it'll be next week's winner. So that's our show, y'all. 
Travelcast is produced with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change her and don't sell her, but feel free to get her virally infesting the interwebs by copying and sharing all you like. Special thanks to Philip Pomfrey, this week's episode artist. Phil's from Scotland. Seems like we've got a good crowd of listeners out there. Thanks, Phil. Looks good, man. We really appreciate it. All right, weirdos. We'll see y'all play as next week. Know what I'm saying? Till then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to not eat too much Chipotle. Yo, yo, Utah, where you at? The Beehive State, shouty? Mojave Desert, ranches, shale, Brigham Young, son, you come on! Navajo, Navajo, Latter-day Saints, chillin' with your homies and your wives in the Salt Lakes, sippin' cavassier every day, except for Sunday, cause that would violate statewide mandates. Red State, regulate them bitches till they ice skate. You think you hard, bitch? Let me see your license plate. These ballers from Nevada in the Impalas, they ain't got nothing but a couple of dollars and popped collars. Holla! We got strippers. We got Danny Osmond. We don't pay income tax. You got my attention. We heard you got bailout money from President Obama. How else can I afford them lap dances from your mama? East side, west side, Mennonite drive by polygamous blood scripts. Utah, where the party is. East side, west side, Mennonite drive by polygamous blood scripts. Utah, where the party is. East side, west side, Mennonite drive by polygamous blood scripts. Utah, where the party is. East side, west side, Mennonite drive by polygamous blood scripts.